Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to be here on a wet day, isn't it? We hope there's more rain coming later on. Uh, but isn't it great to have a downpour like we had uh, yesterday and overnight and the night before? It's fabulous. And we hope the farmers amongst us have just had lots fall on your land and we hope it's great for you too. Just want to let you know, um, after the second service today, there's a special uh, meeting, an extraordinary meeting, and the purpose of that is um, that the deacons are bringing a recommendation um, for a person uh, to fill the small group's ministry position. So uh, that's just a one agenda uh, meeting, one item on the agenda, so it shouldn't be a long meeting, but we'd love you to come back again at 12.30 after the second service for that meeting. Um, it would just be great if you're a member to come and uh, to be here. That's really part of, of what it means to be part of God's family. Um, this week was Anzac Day and uh, we had an opportunity um, to, to have a, a public holiday and to uh, just remember uh, on Anzac Day. And our family uh, got up for the first time. I think we got up at 430 and we went to the SSNA club in uh, Albury where they had buses going up to Monument Hill, uh, free buses. And so at five o'clock, Mandy and myself and Alex and Georgia went up and we stood in the pitch black and uh, um, remembered um, all those that had fought um, in wars in our past. And uh, while that service took place, Brian Coyle, the president of the RSL, uh, led, led us all in prayer and uh, spoke as well. And uh, he's a member of our church and he's here this morning. So why don't you welcome him as he comes up now just for a few moments. Thanks, Brian. Well, Brian... Uh, thanks for just having a few moments to speak with us. Um, tell us, Anzac Day, we paused this week. Why is Anzac Day so important to us as Australians? Well, um, it, initially, it's just it's a, we've got our freedom because of the people who have given their lives, uh, starting with World War I and continuing through uh, further, uh, further wars through, down through the years. And even in this present day, as we speak, uh, it's a uh, the time to reflect on um, on the people who have uh, not only been killed but who have been disabled and scarred for the rest of their lives. Also, for the families and children who were left fatherless because of the sacrifices they made. And we think of the present day uh, soldiers who are fighting in uh, war zones throughout the uh, the world at this moment. Uh, so Anzac Day holds very dear to my heart and uh, it's a, a time for a reflection and I just thank God that we are, we, we're a country who are just so fortunate when you think of uh, what goes on around the world and uh, we go and fight for our freedom and uh, that's what Anzac Day is about. Now Brian, you uh, just recently been uh, um, elected the president of the RSL in Albury and so this was your first Anzac Day. Um, I saw you on TV, I saw you getting interviewed by different people. It was a pretty busy day for you. Uh, it certainly was, you're not out. We're up at four o'clock and uh, we up to the monument by five to just uh, make sure things are in place. And uh, then uh, I had five services, including the march uh, throughout the day and uh, got home around about eight o'clock that night. So yes, it was a, 
very long day, very tiring, <laughs> Great. but worth it. <laughs> Good. Well, thank you. Um, why don't we just pray now and uh, give thanks to God for the freedom. You know, no one likes war. Um, it's, it's terrible. Uh, but for those that have um, fought uh, for our country, we just want to um, say thank you to God for that. Thanks. Let's pray. God, we just want to thank you for our country. And uh, God, we, we just uh, really hate the thought of, of war and people fighting. And yet those that have gone have really gone um, to, in the effort to bring about freedom. And God, we thank you for their sacrifice. We pray for those who um, have lost loved ones and who continue to live with the horrible effects of war and the memories that still haunt them. And God, uh, we just thank you for our country. And uh, we thank you for the opportunity we had on Wednesday just to reflect and uh, to remember those who fought. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, John. Good stuff. Well, one of the moments for me uh, left me speechless was that, that morning. Uh, thousands of people. We, we tried to get to the front because we had kids. Then we realised the whole thing happens in pitch black, so you can't see anything anyway. <laughs> and, um, but just to be there and to, uh, in the stillness of the, of the darkness and to hear the trumpet uh, the bugle are playing, and uh, to think uh, of so many that have lost their lives was a, a moment that left me speechless. I'll uh, never forget, too, the time when uh, Mandy, you know, walked down the aisle of a, of a church, um, being nervous and thinking, wow, you know, this is just amazing. And what I can remember still was at the wedding reception when everyone was all gathered around, Mandy just uh, stood there with a microphone at speech time and my brother came out with his guitar and another friend with his guitar and she sang this song looking at me saying, if you could see what I see. And she's just saying she loved me. And I was like... <laughs> I can remember um, our children being born. I remember being speechless. Georgia, our youngest, was a water birth. And when she came out, I was like, oh, it's just speechless. Amazed, overwhelmed and thankful that she made it too. I remember when I got my tooth pulled, big wisdom tooth on this side, root canal treatment and uh, a couple of fillings as well. And when I got the bill, I was just speechless. <laughs> you, know. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of things that uh, leave us speechless in life. And when it comes to thinking about God, there are a lot of things uh, that I find that are just speechless about God and his character. You know, for instance, I find uh, when I think of God's character, the things we've been talking about last week as we started this series of our indescribable God, that God is a God who's uh, all-powerful. He's omnipotent. I mean, the fact that God can bring breakthroughs for people who have addictions and help them through that. The God who can do the most incredible uh, things because his power is unlimited. I think of God's omniscience, the fact that he's a genius in every area, field of knowledge, that he knows everything, that he knows about my life. I find that leaves me speechless. You know, I think about the fact that God is always present, that there's nowhere I can run from him. And I think he's with me right through the good times and the bad times. And I think, oh, God. That leaves me speechless. Now, when I think about God as our creator 
And as I look and I see uh, some of the beauty of the animals that he has made, the, the creatures that he has, has, has put together, his creativity just amazes me. Um, he's an incredible God. Uh, weird creatures like this. You know, when I think of God's uh, beauty, the beauty of his creation, I mean, uh, flowers and butterflies, uh, beautiful colours that he's splashed on this world. Uh, when I think of the scenery that we get to enjoy every day as we wake up and just walk this earth that he has made, I find it breathtaking. When I look up at night, not long ago, the, the girls and I were home late and so we just lay on the trampoline in the backyard and just looked up at the stars and we were just going, wow. Isn't that amazing? God made this. Uh, and to think that we live in a, on an earth like that. What an awesome God who leaves us speechless. Uh, when I think of God's perfect holiness, when I think of his perfect sense of justice, when I think of uh, just the incredible character of God, he leaves me speechless. And you know, one other thing about God that just leaves me overwhelmingly speechless is God's ability to love beyond reason. Uh, God's ability to give good gifts to undeserving people like me and like you. I find that that just leaves me speechless. That the God who is all-powerful, always present, knows everything, made this beautiful earth and, and, and leaves us speechless, actually gives love so undeserving. God's ability to look beyond, God's ability to forgive, God's ability to give good gifts, God's ability to extend kindness to the most blatant of sinners, to the most um, rebellious amongst us, that leaves me speechless. Jesus told a story in Matthew 20, and it's all about the graciousness of God. And if you have your Bibles, if you could turn to Matthew 20 and verses 1 to 16. And if you don't have them, I've got that on the screen for you. But Matthew 20 and verses 1 to 16. And this is, this is what it says, reading it from the New International Version. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. Now, the landowner uh, is a person who represents God, um, God the Father. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning. Now, um, early in the morning literally is... 6 a.m. in the morning. That's what time it is. Um, that's when the Jewish day started. So at 6 a.m. in the morning, he went out. And it says to hire men to work in his vineyard. And he agreed to pay them a denarius, which is the normal daily wage at the time. And um, the word agreed has a kind of two-way street meaning here. Like it's, it, it's meaning that both parties agreed that it was good to pay that amount. That's good. You, they agreed. Deal was done. Pay the normal day's wage. And he sent them into his vineyard. Verse 3, about the third hour, which was 9, 9 a.m. in the morning. 
he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay whatever is right. So they went out. And he went out again about the sixth hour. That's around uh, noon. And the ninth hour, around three in the afternoon. And he did the same thing. And now we're at verse, verse six here. At the 11th hour, which is five o'clock, which is one hour before knockoff time, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they said. They answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. And then in verse 8, when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages. And notice this, beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. So you see they were lining up with those that started at five o'clock in the afternoon, uh, just worked one hour and they lined up and they're ready to get paid first. And the workers who were hired at the 11th hour at five o'clock came and received a denarius. Remember, a full day's wage. Now their mouth would have dropped open a little bit at that, don't you think? We've only worked an hour and we've got a denarius. We've got a full day's wage. And I, I don't know about you, but I think the rest of the people who were started early in the day, they would have been going, oh, one hour, denarius. Wow, this is going to be a good day. And then the people that started right at the very beginning of the day would have been going, this is going to be incredible. And then in uh, verse 10, we see, so, so when those who were first hired... So when, those, so when those came who were first hired, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. And that's not fair. <laughs> I just added that bit. <laughs> but that's kind of what they were saying. You know, we've worked hard all day. We've, we've done that. And look, these guys have come and, and they've paid just as much as us. And in verse 13, but he answered one of them, friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. And I love this. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? And then God closes this story by saying, so the last will be first and the first will be last. Jesus tells this, awesome story and he tells this as he tells his story there are two responses in the story the first response is that people are getting offended by grace they're upset they're mad about it they're offended by God's grace 
And Jesus tells the story to highlight the fact that it's not about the kind of family you were born into. It's not about, you know, uh, the, the area that you came from. It's not about your goodness. It's not about your hard work. It's not about your status in life. It's about an indescribable God, a gracious landowner. God. And Jesus told the story because there were a lot of grumblings going on. Uh, a lot of people in the religious kind of community were grumbling. The religious uh, leaders even labelled Jesus with a name. They, they called him a friend of sinners. And they complained that Jesus hung out with people who were uh, far from God. You know, they didn't know how close to God they were when he hung out with them. At one time over in Luke 15, Jesus tells a story about a, a lost son. And uh, he told the story because it says in Luke 15 that the religious leaders were muttering. This is what they were saying. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus tells this story in Luke 15, and it's about a, 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 a young guy who takes all of his father's inheritance and he goes out and he squanders it in, in wild living. He just lives it up and, and he comes home and dad accepts him back. He just accepts him back. His dad is gracious. He, he hugs him. He, he puts on a robe and, uh, over his son and he, and he says, uh, let's have a party. And he kills the fatted calf. I mean, now, Jesus tells the story about this father embracing his lost son. But, you know, the real star, star of the story in Luke 15 is the older brother in the field because Jesus was directly talking to the religious uh, people who were offended by grace. And this brother, he comes in and he says uh, the, this, he said in Luke 15, 29 to 30, he says, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and I've never and never disobeyed your orders. You, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. It's not fair, he's saying. It's not fair. He's offended by grace. He's offended by God's goodness and kindness. You know, when those workers who were hired first got paid at what they had agreed to be paid, they said, it's not fair. It's not fair. And the landowner says, listen, it is fair and we agreed upon it. I just think you're envious because I'm gracious I just wanted to give it to them, he says. It looks like I hadn't been generous to these guys for a long time and I just wanted to give it to them. I just wanted to, to give it to them. Uh, let me give you a, a, a little definition of envy. Envy is resenting God's goodness in other people's lives while ignoring his goodness in mine. You know, envy is resenting God's goodness in other people's lives while ignoring God's goodness in mine. And I've got to be honest, I've had that kind of unfair 
reaction before in my life. I've been offended by the goodness of God at times. I mean, uh, you know, I heard uh, about a guy in America, Jeffrey Dahmer, and uh, he, was, he's a, he was a serial killer. He killed at least 17 people in America. And uh, what, what I heard was that in prison, this guy who had killed 17 people humbled himself and accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Saviour. They, they said that it was authentic what happened in his life. He was baptised into Christ in, in prison, you know, fully immersed. Does that offend you a bit? This guy who's killed 17 people, does it feel a little bit weird that he's going to be in heaven? I mean, I remember getting a video and watching a video about a lady named Carla Faye Tucker and she killed a man with a pickaxe uh, during a drug and alcohol-induced weekend that she had spent with her boyfriend. They broke into this guy's house and, and killed him while he slept in bed. But you know what? While she was in jail, she admitted her crime and she asked Jesus into her life to be her Lord and Saviour. And her whole life changed. Her attitude changed. Her behaviour changed. Her whole life was turned around. And there was a groundswell of support in America for her. And uh, people wanted her to be pardoned from execution, from the electric chair on death row. And in February the 3rd, on February the 3rd, 1998, she was executed for the crimes that she'd committed. And before she died, she said, everybody has been good, so good to me. She said, I love you all very much. I'm going to be face to face with Jesus now. When I watched the documentary on her life and her coming to put her faith in Jesus, I've got to admit, it felt a little bit funny. But you know, the truth is, none of us deserve God's grace. None of us do. And when we say, it's unfair that somebody could get it, when we say, uh, it's unfair that somebody like that could be forgiven, we say, God, 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 that's unfair. And, you know, I think when God hears us say that and when he hears us say those types of things, he says, do you want me to be fair with you? <laughs> and we go, no, 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 that's all right. Please don't be fair with me. Because we know that if he was, it wouldn't be good for us. We say thank you to God for being unfair with me. You know, the truth is that we all need God's grace a lot more than we deserve. Every single one of us are in the same sinking boat. We need the graciousness of God. We need his forgiveness in our life. And you can have two responses today. You can be offended by God's grace and get all judgmental. And you can be uh, you know, really caught up in that. And you know, 
Uh, there are people that have been coming to church year after year but get offended by something someone does or something someone doesn't do or something that God you know, kind of didn't fix in their life or something that somebody else did and they're offended when God already showed them the most incredible grace in forgiving them. So you can be offended by grace or you can be captured by the heart of the landowner. You can be captured by the gracious heart of God. And you know, for me, that's where I want to be. Whenever I see somebody uh, who's been you know, going down a road far from God for their life, put their trust and faith in Jesus Christ, I, I want to be not saying, that's not fair. I want to be saying, God, you're so good. You're so gracious because that's what you've done for me. You can bet the guys that were hired at five o'clock, you know, with one hour to go and given a day's work, you can bet they were there the next morning, you know, in line, first ones ready, you know. They would have been saying, we want to work, you know, we're ready to work, you know, that's great. We want to work for a boss like this. And you know the truth is, when we receive this incredible grace of God that leaves us speechless, uh, we want to we live for a God like that. We want to uh, sign up. We want to say, God, I want to live the rest of my life for you. Um, just here, I just want to let you, just a little side note, is to say that we do good works as Christians not to earn God's favour, but because we've received his favour. Because he's been gracious to us. We want to show up early. We want to spend the day serving a God like that who's shown us undeserved favour. So the good works that we do aren't to earn God's favour and to say, would you now, you know, that's, no, no but because he's forgiven us when we didn't deserve it, because he's shown us his love and his forgiveness, we just want to live for him. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 8 to 9. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, putting our faith, in Jesus Christ. And this is not from yourself. It's the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. So that no one can boast. That's the truth. That's the truth, church. That we're saved by the grace of God. That's how we're saved. And I'm so grateful that I've been given undeserved grace. And I want to live my life now. I want to live my life motivated by this irrational love of God. And I, I, want, to, uh, I want you to know the grace of God more and more deeply in your life every day. And I want you to understand that the reason why God would give us his grace and that he would treat us like that is because he loves us. You know, 1 John uh, and, and verse 4 the chapter 4, verse 8 says, God 
is love. He loves to show his love to us. Do you know what gets God excited? You know, it really pumps God up. Uh, You know, the Bible says that God delights in showing mercy. Now, you you might get really excited about skydiving. You you might get uh, really excited even about bungee jumping. You might get real pumped up about going for a big jog or eating, drinking that Red Bull stuff. That might get the adrenaline rushing for you. But for God, you know what really excites him, what he loves to do? Look, look what it says in uh, Micah 7, 18. God, God loves showing mercy. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance. You do not stay angry forever, but delight, delight, delight to show mercy, to show mercy. God loves showing mercy. And when I read through the scripture and I see how God is a God of love, and when I read the book of Psalms in in chapter Uh, 103, Psalm 103 and verse 12, where it says that God has taken my sin and he's removed my sin as far as the east is from the west. So far he has removed our transgressions from us. And I think that is amazing that God has removed my sin because I've put my trust in Jesus, my faith in him and received his free gift. He's removed my sin as far as the east is from the west. Now, stick with me on this one. We're in Wodonga here, right? Right? Now, if we were to travel from here and we were to go to Ichuka, anyone know what direction we'd be heading? West, that's right. And if we were to keep going uh, along and we were uh, ended up in Adelaide, what, what direction would we be going? If we went Perth, west. What if we went across to Madagascar? West, you're right. South Africa? Yes. South America? Yep. Polynesia? Yeah, and we just come right around. You see, we just keep going west and west and west all the way around. Now, stick with me for a minute. Now, we're in Wodonga, right? And uh, we go to Wagga Wagga. What direction are we going? North, right. What direction, so, so we're going there, we go to Townsville. What direction are we going? Papua New Guinea? Japan? And, and we're going right up to the Arctic Circle. What direction are we going? And now we go over the other side. And what direction are we going now? South. That's right, we're going down. So we can only go so far north before we're going south. If we go west, we keep going. There's no end. So aren't you glad that God didn't say, you know, I've, I've removed as far as the north is from the south, I've removed our transgressions. He said as far as the east is from the west. They never meet. They never meet. That's incredible. Uh, it says in, in Micah 7 and verse 19, you will again have compassion on us and you will tread you will tread our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. You'll take our sins and you'll throw them. And God's got a great throwing arm. He will throw them right into the depths of the sea. 
And I, I love what Corrie Ten Boom says about this verse. She says, uh, God throws them right to the depths of the sea and she puts a, he puts a no fishing sign over the top. That's how much God loves us. He really does. He irrationally loves us. And that's why the Apostle Paul, you know, a former murderer who, who you know, held the coats of people who were stoning Christians, uh, he, was, he said at one time, you know, this is my prayer for you, uh, God's people. He said, my prayer is that you would be able to grasp, that you'd be able to get your head around the incredible love of God and that you'd be able to grasp it and you'd be able to know how high and how deep and how wide this love of God is. That's what I want you to grasp. He said, I want you to be captured by the heart of the landowner. He said, I want you to be captured by the heart of God. God's graciousness is what he was saying. Do you know what happens when that happens in your life? When you're really captured by the heart of God, when you receive his love and you understand the depth and breadth and height and width and that your sins are forgiven and he's thrown them in a thing, he's put up a no fishing time, as far as the east is from the west. When you start to understand that, do you know what happens? It changes your life. You think differently. You know, the way you uh, treat others is different because you've been treated differently. Uh, the way you uh, live your life is with a great thankfulness to God for what he's done. You become a more loving person. The way you treat your family, the way you live each day is, is changed because of that. Do you know, a, a person becomes what he or she thinks the most important in their life, pe people in their lives think about them. Let me say that again just so you get it. A person becomes what he or she thinks the most important people in their life think about them. So let me give you just an illustration. A guy named Jason, he played cricket in the district firsts in Melbourne. Now, from the first, they picked the team for uh, Victoria to play cricket. And by the way, go Aussies, hey? <laughs> World Cup. We won this morning, so uh, that was good. Just before we got here, they announced it. I just found out from Sandy, who obviously Mason's been watching it this morning. Very good. Um, but anyway, they were playing in, um, in this guy, Jason, was playing on, on the team uh, in the districts and uh, the, the district competition in Melbourne. And he was playing and there were some other players who were people that played for Victoria and played for Australia. There were four people on the team that played there. And Jason thought that these guys were great guys. He really liked them. He respected them and he looked up to them. And in fact, um, they became the kind of most important people in his life. And the coach said, uh, you know, hey, we, it looks like we're going to do well this season. So we'll give Jason a lot of the ball. We'll let him bowl a lot this year and we'll develop him. And we'll just praise him right through the season, tell him he's doing a great job. And every delivery that he bowls, we'll go, oh, great one, you know. And so he did. He would bowl a ball and they go, 
that's great, you're a real Glenn McGrath. You know, and uh, then every time he'd take a wicket, they'd say, oh, you're on fire, you're, you're a great cricketer, you're fantastic, you're doing fantastic. And all of the whole cricketing season, they praised him and said how great this guy was. They kept encouraging him and encouraging him. And at the end of that cricket season, two things were true. Jason thought that he was the best cricketer in the whole uh, district competition. And the second thing was true, that Jason had become the best cricket player in the association. And you know what? It's so important that Jesus is the most important person in your life. Because when you do put your trust and your faith in him, then you know his graciousness, his love, his forgiveness towards you, and you can live each day in the knowledge of that. If Jesus is the most important person in your life, it affects how you live. He's the most important person uh, and because he looks around and he looks at you and he says, that person right there is someone worth dying for. That's someone who's precious to me. My uh, pa became a Christian in his 70s and he worked on the railways and he never came to church when I was growing up. I found cigarettes in the drawer and... Uh, he had his pipe and he was a, a, a you know, he was a real, real bloke. And, you know, if anybody deserved, uh, I, remember, I remember thinking at the funeral as I was, I was there, thinking that if anybody really um, deserved not to go to heaven, it was my pa. But he went to heaven because he put his trust and faith in Jesus. And the truth is that None of us deserve to go to heaven. Only the grace of God gets us there. It's only through what Jesus has done on the cross in dying for us, paying the price for our sins, and through us putting our faith and hope and trust in him alone that we get to go there. I remember when my grandfather, not my pa, my grandfather was taking his last breaths and only minutes before he died I was in the room with him and he struggled for breath and he held on as, uh, right, he kept holding on and then he slipped away, gone to be with Jesus. Why? Because he deserved it? No. Because of God's grace. You know, I really, really believe this that it's only through the grace of God that we can find forgiveness, that we can go to be with him. I remember a teenage boy coming around to our house on his bike. We'd just been participating in a mission in a, in a school um, with Oslife and I'd called him because he'd responded that he wanted to know more about Jesus. I remember him riding up on his bike and coming into our house and as we talked about who Jesus was and how much he'd loved him and how he wanted to forgive him. I remember as I asked him if he wanted to ask Jesus into his life to put his faith and trust in him, only through God's grace could he receive that. I remember as he said yes and getting back on his bike and riding off with a new spring in his step. Only the grace of God had helped him to do that. I think of Zacchaeus, tax collector, ripping people off, 
found the grace of God and started giving it all back because he was so thankful, so overwhelmed. I think about uh, you know, people who, uh, the woman who was caught in adultery, lying in the dust, just waiting for the stones to hit her body. And yet she hears the words of Jesus and she experiences the grace of God. Think of Mary, sister of Lazarus, walking in to a feast held in a house in honour of Jesus and she just is so thankful for the great things that God has done that she just breaks this expensive perfume and pours it all over his feet and wipes her feet with her hair. She didn't care. She was so thankful, so amazed, and the room were left speechless. Speechless. You know, today could be your day to say, I want the grace of God in my life. It really could. It'll change everything about you. When you see God as a God who loves you. It changes everything in your life. It's changed everything in my life. And today could be your day to just say to God, okay, uh, God, I'm not really good uh, at, at knowing how to say this. God, I haven't lived a, a great life. I've sinned. I've, I've turned right against you. But God, I want to be in heaven and I want to live the rest of my life with you as the most important person. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I want to put my faith and trust in you. I need your grace more than I deserve. A lot more than I deserve. Do you know, today is a day where you can receive God's grace. I remember hearing about a story where on TV where they sort of show people having operations and things like that and this fiancé, her, her and her partner who were about to get married, um, she needed a kidney and he gave her his kidney and they were lying in bed next to each other kind of uh, in diff- you know, separate beds but sort of reaching out, holding each other's hands and the cameras were there and uh, she said, you know, the great thing about this Every time I hug my husband now, I'm going to be able to feel the scar where the kidney has been removed. I'm going to know how much he really loves me. And you know, today, as you say, God, I'm trusting in your grace and you embrace him. Remember the scar that pierced Jesus' side as he died, as he took upon himself your sin. And every time you reach out to him, remember that he died for you so you can be forgiven. One day I'm going to hug Jesus when I get to heaven and feel that scar and know that he just gave his all so that I could know him. Uh, one of this morning, um, at this time, if you, if you want to receive uh, Jesus into your life, it's just simple to say, God, I'm sorry that I've sinned. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. I want to put my trust in you through faith, by faith. And I want to receive your love and your forgiveness. And I want you to be the very most important person in my life. You can just say that to him in these moments now. And 
Afterwards, there'll be people down the front just to pray with you and people who would just love to um, pray with you through this most important decision that you'd be making. It would just be an incredible day. It would just be an amazing day where you'd walk out of here feeling absolutely speechless that God, who made the heavens and the earth, doesn't treat you as you deserve. For you and me who have been following God for a long time, hey, church, let's never lose this speechlessness about the grace of God. Let's never take it for granted. Let's never you know, just uh, be offended by other people getting the grace of God. Let's live each day so overwhelmed, thankful for what he's done in us. Why don't we pray? Oh, God, we're just so thankful for all that you've done in sending Jesus. And this morning, God, for those who are at this point wanting to admit that they need your grace more than they deserve, I just pray, God, that you'd be hearing their prayers right now. Maybe in the quietness you might just want to say to God, just you and God, that you want to put your trust in him through what Jesus has done. And God, we just want to thank you for what you're doing in people's lives this morning, what you've done in our lives in years gone by. And God, what you sent your son to come to earth to do. Oh, God, we just love being part of your family and living in your grace. Thank you for leaving us speechless, God. In Jesus' name, amen. After the service, people will be here to pray. Just come down the front and it will be great to pray. If you have prayed that prayer, it will be great just to put on the blue card today. I've asked Jesus into my life for the first time. Or if you've been... um, put your trust in Jesus before, but you've forgotten the grace and today you're just wanting to make a recommitment, you can just tick that on the back of the blue card. Why don't we just take a few minutes now and it'd be great if everyone could fill out the blue card, you know, prayer requests, um, different needs you can communicate to us through that. Let's just take a few moments to do that prayerfully and quietly now. Let's do that together.